in glory, if you've accepted him as your saviour. And we'll stand in glory and we'll serve the, the king forever. And in the meantime, we're filled with his spirit to continue the work that is continuing on earth to this day until that time comes. And if Ian Moore were here now, he'd be saying, hallelujah. Right, so I'm going to read it again, and now you're prompted. You can say, praise the Lord, or hallelujah. So he's the name above all names. He's the redeemer. His name is Jesus, because the Lord saves. He's precious to God, yet God thought, it, thought you were worth it, that he sent his son for you, even though he's that precious to God. He is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He is the one who says, you'll stand in glory. He's the one who says, you'll serve your king forever. And in the meantime, he fills you, if you want him to, with, your, with his spirit to continue the work on earth until that time comes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you please tell Ian tonight, who's standing in for me, because I'm supposed to be preaching tonight, but we're going to do a runner to South End Airport uh, soon after this service. Can you tell him that he was quoted this morning and we got more hallelujahs than I think he's ever got? <laughs> so to help us as we come to this time of communion, I'm going to read. We're doing our staff devotions in the mornings. We're working through the book of Colossians. We've just started it. You can tell that because I'm going to read from chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to read the first 13 verses. And this is going to help us as we think about that. Jesus the Redeemer. What's the outworking of it? How must I live my life in light of what he's done? A life of gratitude, of service, uh, a sense of holiness, the holiness of God. I remember Norman Critchell preaching. I saw Norman in the week. Um, I'd say he sends his best, but he doesn't. He just didn't say anything, really. He's a nice man. Uh, But I I reminded him. I said, I quoted you in the week. He said, what was that? And I said... um, I said, I remember you preaching a sermon. You said, it's great to have God Almighty, but we need to remember he's God Almighty as well. And there is a holiness to God. The reason we cry Abba, Father, the reason the Bible still has the word Abba is because we can't translate it. And we often say it means Daddy, which it kind of does, but it's with an awesome holiness as well. A a healthy fear and awesome, some reverence for God. Um, So how do we live this life out? Well, Colossians uh, 1, first 13 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring up from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You, understood, sorry, you learned it from Epirus, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the sunny loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah! See, I've got to get him in. Fed up with Ian getting all the hallelujahs. We need some as well. 
This, this passage is amazing. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic passage. There's so much in there, and I'm just going to draw uh, a few points out. The first one, faith. We have to have faith in Christ and the cross. Uh, verses 3 to 8 talk about that, don't they? He's heard about their faith in Christ, verse 4. Faith in Christ. What does it mean? It means to have faith that he is, he is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He said to look at him was to look at God. He is the one. I'm a son of God. He is the son of God. You are a son or daughter of God, but he is the son of God. He is the redeemer. We have faith that he is who he says he is. We can have real faith in that because he backed up his words with actions and he's the only one uh, that's done that. There's a lot of other spiritual leaders uh, that talk about themselves, they point to themselves, but they haven't backed it up. And the, the historical evidence for Jesus is overwhelming, his works is overwhelming, and his works still continue to this day. And we see, not, all, not as much as we'd like, we see glimpse, glimpses of the kingdom to come. We see glimpses of healing. Some, one person is miraculously healed, others aren't. And we, there's one of the questions that we have to hold in tension. It's a bit like getting a summer's day in January. You know, the sun shines just for a day and you think, this is, like, this is how it's going to be, um, well, you know, possibly yeah, in England in July or August. We see a glimpse of the kingdom to come. The way we teach it on Alpha is the kingdom is now and not yet, but every now and again we see an inbreaking of the perfection that will come. And we see miracles. So Jesus' works, we still heal people, we still see uh, relationships restored, all sorts of things in his name. So we can have faith that he was who he said he was, and he is who he says he is. Faith in his works. Uh, I already mentioned the miracles that he did, the miracles that continue to happen in his name, the healings, uh, the life changes. Um, uh, power encounters, the demonic and, and the way he fights against that. Uh, we see that. But mainly, mainly his works is his work on the cross. And when he died for me, and he died for you. And what a wonderful saviour is Jesus. Because sinners need saving from the penalty of sin. That's why we call him a saviour. His work on the cross. We have faith that his cry of the cross, it is finished, was true. It was true. And he has paid for your sin. And this is what we recognise this morning. He's paid for it, but you may not have accepted that. In which case, you'll pay for it. And there's a place called hell in the Bible, which we don't preach about too much, um, but it's there. And I, I, had, I had a conversation with a Christian minister a few months ago, and he was sort of questioning the existence of hell. And I said, well, if you say it doesn't exist, you're calling Jesus a liar, because he speaks about it. And then we got into all sorts of things. What does it actually mean and everything else? But Jesus speaks about it. You do not want to go there. And he says, look, I don't want you to go there. It's God's will that all would be saved. It's called universalism if we subscribe to the fact that everybody will be in heaven, which I don't subscribe to. The Bible doesn't teach that. But it does say God would love everybody to be saved. But the sinners need a saviour. And to be a son and daughter of God, you need the saviour. You need Christ. And you need to trust and have faith in what he's done on the cross. So we have faith that we're part of a family. Paul says in verse 5, a love for all the saints. It's amazing to think we're called saints. Um, But we're part of a family. We have to have faith in that family, even when the family sometimes lets us down, because we're still a room full of sinners. And often say it on Alpha, uh, if ever someone says, which occasionally, though, not all the time, the church is full of hypocrites. I say, it's no problem. There's always room for one more. Of course, we all know we need, we're sinners that need saving. 
And where do we get that love for all the saints? The love that God has for the world, that he sent his son, the source, verse 5, springs from the hope that he's stored up for you in heaven as we stay connected to the true vine, Jesus. The vine was a a symbolic, um, historical symbolic uh, picture of Israel. So when he says, I am the true vine, he's saying that it's about me. It's about me and I'm for everybody. And of course he tells us that we've received the good news, verse 5, the gospel, the good news from the word of truth, the Bible. Bible is truth. In a world that's very confused, um, we need to go back uh, to the word, don't we? You know, it's, it, I'm, I'm a, I use Google. Do you use Google? I mean, everyone uses Google, I think, don't they? I don't know. But, you know, as soon as I get a question that I'm not sure of the answer, I go on my phone or my laptop and I Google it. You know, ask Google. Um, you can get all sorts of crazy things on there and you have to be careful what you type in. Sometimes, you know, it can go a bit wrong. Uh, but really, my first pull to call, when I look at the world, if I want to see it through God's eye, when I look at circumstances in my own life or your lives, we've got to go back to the Word of God. We've got to go back to the Word of God and try and, try and make sense of the world from God's perspective, not getting the Bible to say what we want from the world's perspective. And then it bears fruit, verse 6. It all over the world is bearing fruit and growing. I've said before, about a third of the world would say they're Christians. It's a growing faith. It, it may be across all denominations in this country uh, and not. The evangelical uh, wing of the church across all denominations is growing. And so we have to have faith that God will build his church and the gates of hell will not come against it. And we can stand firm. In fact, the church grows most where it's persecuted. So we pray against the persecution, the various things we're reading about. And people come to me and say, we've got to pray against this, we've got to pray against that. And I say, yep, definitely, we're going to do that. But Jesus warns us that the time will come. And we've got it fairly minor. You know, we are supposed to be different. We aren't supposed to conform to the pattern of this world. We are going to say things that the world doesn't like. But I have to go to the truth of God. Even when it hurts me personally, I have to go to the truth of God. And there is when we'll bear fruit because we are called to be salt and light and witnesses in the world. So we have to have faith in all these things. And when we have faith, with that faith, when we take all those benefits that we have, the Redeemer, it comes great responsibility. Uh, another one, I mean, every time I quote a Bible passage, I say it's one of my favourite passages. Uh, I just look, The Bible is my favourite, so if we can just go with there. This is another favourite. 2 Corinthians 5.20, you're an ambassador for God. I mean, that is a great responsibility. That's one of, when I read that, uh, very early on my Christian thought, it was a wow moment. It's like, wow, I'm, I am sent as an ambassador for God, for Christ. Jesus says, which I often quote in John's Gospel, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I am an ambassador. You are an ambassador for Christ. You have the Redeemer, and he's paid for your sin. But he now says, you're now my ambassador on earth. And I'm going to fill you with, with the Spirit to enable you to do that. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We employ, implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're the reconcilers. We've been saved. Not everybody has. And so we need to tell those that haven't that they need to be saved. Because they're walking, sleepwalking. Uh, into the, the doorsteps of, of hell. And if you're an ambassador, then your words, just think about that, you're sent out as Christ's a- ambassador, then your words, actions and beliefs and the way you speak or compromise reflect back on Christ. You know, most, we say it, don't we, you're the Bible that, that people are reading. You know, so the way we are, the way we respond to things, people will watch and notice. 
And Paul says in this passage, because, verse 4, you have faith in Christ and a love for all the saints, verse 5, your source springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. Because you've had the gospel, the good news, because you've had the word of truth, and because all over the world it's bearing fruit and growing, he says, for those reasons, in verse 9, he asks God to fill you with the knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. So your first port of call isn't Google or some other way. Your first port of call is trying to discern what is God saying in any given situation, trying to find out what God's will is. The Bible, I, I got, I, someone sent me something uh, this week, I thought it was really good, I thought I'd share it with you. And there's a bit of alliteration in there as well, the three R's, you're going to like this. Uh, read, reflect, and then react. You've got to do something with it. You know, we've, got to, we've got to read it, I've got to reflect on it, what is God saying to me, and then I've got to react and do it. I need to know the knowledge of his will. I need to have his spiritual wisdom and understanding. As I pray, asking God to just reveal certain things in certain times, then often he'll bring clarity into any given situation. In the past, before I was a Christian or before you as a Christian, maybe you did go to Google or friends or culture that to tell you what the right way is, but increasingly uh, that, gets, that gets tarnished. And we are in a fallen world. We have to come back to the truth of God. And why the third and final part? Because we have a godly responsibility, verses 10 to 14. Verse 10, and this is hard, isn't it? To live a life worthy of the Lord and please him. To live a life worthy of the Lord and please him. God sees everything. And that's scary sometimes. In other times, I'm really glad of it. If I've been wronged and I feel like I've behaved in the right way in response, I'm I'm glad. I get a little bit pious and think, oh, you know, God saw that. That's okay. It's me and God versus the rest of the world or whatever it is. But in those times when I don't react in the right way, or when I'm deliberately going down a road that I know is not of God, he sees that as well. And this is where we get that sense of holiness and awesomeness, that everything I do is seen and heard by God. Everything you do is seen and heard by God. And thank God that there is a Redeemer who pays for those things that I'd rather he didn't see. I need to have the knowledge of his will. I need to look at my family, I have to look at the world, I have to look at the church and say, what is God saying? I have to get into his word. It needs to be illuminated by the spirit of God and then apply it to my lives. I need to understand it has to be the rock. God has to be the rock. God has to be the foundation, not prevailing culture. And if I do that, verse 10, it tells me I'm going to bear fruit for the kingdom. You know, if I try and compromise too much, if you try and compromise in your life, it, 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 people are not sure what we believe. And you can see that in some areas of the church now where they're trying to get the Bible to say things it just doesn't say. And people out there say, well, you, you can't even agree amongst yourselves. So wh- why do you expect us to believe this? Because when we wander from this, or when certain factions of the church wander from this, it creates confusion to the world. And it's a, it's a, good, it's a good arrow to throw at the church to say, you can't agree on what you believe. And it's because some have gone away from the word of God. They're not preaching the word of God. So we have to, we have to get the wisdom and understanding that only comes from God. Growing in the knowledge of God, verse 10 uh, says. Strengthened with power, verse 11. You know, as we come to know God and as you spend time with God and as you ask him, you know, what do I do in this situation? Praying about it. You get, it, you get God's general will. 
from the Bible. You can get specific will as you pray and listen and just think, what, what am I supposed to be doing? If, you know, what would Jesus do in this given situation? He promises that he'll strengthen you with power, verse 11. Whatever your circumstances are this morning, whatever's going on in your life, good, bad or indifferent, God promises to send his spirit to you. You'll be strengthened with his power. You'll know his ways. You receive his power. You can act in his power. In him, in him, you can do all things. Paul writes elsewhere in Philippians. You can do all things in Christ who strengthens you because you'll be in his will if you know his ways. I remember when I first believed. Um, belief, by the way, is not enough, is it? Belief in God is not enough. The devil believes in God. It's what you do with that belief. You have to accept the Redeemer. You have to have your sin paid for. And you have to allow the Spirit to come in and then help you live a life worthy of that calling. But when I first believed, um, I, I, I just thought, I think at the time, um, I was, felt I was signing up to doctrine. You know, I'm going to choose to believe this, I'm going to choose to believe that, and I'm going to try in my own strength to do this and to do that. And I remember um, uh, getting on the train into London when I was still broken, and, and there were issues at work. And I remember about halfway there, I'm not sure Barking is that spiritual place, but it was around Barking. I lived in Upminster then, so I was about halfway there on the way to Fenchurch Street. Their trains are much better now. They used to be called, it was the second worst line in England when I travelled it. Moved to Billericay, I thought these trains are good. Now they've got really, really good trains and these ones are not so good, but there you go. That's a whole different story and that's nothing to do with what I'm about to say. Uh, but I was on the train and as I, uh, is pulling, I remember it vividly, pulling into Barking, and having an overwhelming sense that I wasn't alone, and that I could go into that work situation with all its pressures because God was with me. God was with me, and I felt, I physically felt his presence. And I went in beaming. That didn't last long. Um, I have to remember that. I have to keep reminding myself of it, that I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. He never leaves me. He never, never lets us go. He's with us forever. And I can go into any situation. I went in, I felt bold as brass and, and we got things changed. And I, I just remember, where is this coming from? And my confidence was only found in one person. And it was found in the Son of God, the begotten Son of God, the Redeemer. I knew he'd set me free. I just felt it. And I knew I could go in and I knew I could change the world. That's how it felt. I thought I can take on anything because God is with me. He's redeemed me. He's filled me with his spirit and now he sends me. And so I knew whatever the world threw at me, I would be able to cope with it because my rock is Christ. And it is not what the world says, it's what this says. And I know then I don't have to, I don't have to compromise. I can say, that's not for me. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to go down that road because I'm going to trust in the word of God and the spirit of God and, and Christ the King who we sang to, who's redeemed me to have a relationship with God. And when we know that and grasp it, you can, take on, you can cope with anything. And there are dark times. There are good times. There are dark times. God is with you in all of them. So therefore, we can have, verse 11, the great endurance and patience. Um, anyone watched the uh, cycling in Italy the past few weeks? I know Nigel did. We had this conversation yesterday. Giro d'Italia, Dan. Well, you know, men in tights and all that. Um, they've got their lycra. You had this thing, mammal, middle-aged man in lycra. Um, it's not pretty. Uh, but these ones, they're really skinny because they're super fit. But one of them, on one of the stages, they go up and down mountains. I like going down mountains. Um, but they go up as well. I'm not so good. Um, but one of them, 
he, he, he really wanted this stage win. There's loads of different stages. And, he, and now, I mean, I think cyclists are, are the, the unspoken heroes. I mean, you know, a footballer goes over, doesn't it, if someone sneezes on him these days. The cyclist, you know, Jean Thomas a few years ago in, in the, in the uh, Tour de France, he fell off his bike. You know, he's quite good, actually, but he fell off his bike. And, it tur- and he finished the Tour de France. I mean, this was very early in the Tour de France. It turned out at the end, he'd actually broken his pelvis. And it's the toughest endurance race there is, but, that, but they're tough people. Uh, and this particular rider in the Giro d'Italia, he, he was cycling, and he got to the end of the stage, and he gave everything he had. To the point, the next day, he had to retire because he was hospitalised. They had to keep him under observation. He pushed his body so much. And I'm not suggesting you do that. But verse 11 talks about great endurance and patience. And we're not to be a people, Christians, in a world that seems to get flustered at pretty sometimes minor things, sometimes big things as well. We can say, I've got the rock of my salvation. I've got the, the Jesus has redeemed me. And I can face anything, whether it's exams, university places, job uh, situations, church situations, spiritual situations, you can face anything because you can do all things in Christ who strengthens you and that's where you have to have the faith and that's why we share communion because it recognises he's paid it for me, paid for my sin and he fills me with his spirit and he sends me into the world to be a great ambassador. And it's, and it's great, verse 12, it's worth it, verse 12, to give thanks that we share Give thanks to God that we share in the inheritance that is to come, even though we're here in the meantime. Because verse 13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There it is. Great. Isn't that amazing? Verse 13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son. You've been removed from the kingdom of darkness. You've been, the Son has paid for you, he's redeemed you. And he's going to send you into the world to make a huge difference. You can be a blessing every day to somebody, or not. But you have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The body, the body given for you, the blood shed for you, if you accept it. So I'm going to repeat what I said at the beginning. And then we're going to have a really, really big praise the Lord or hallelujah. I'm going to let you choose that because we're Baptists, and we like it when we come together, and we have our own way of doing things, which we love. But Jesus is the Redeemer, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. We're adopted. This is his one and only Son. We didn't sing, but we will next week, that we've been adopted into his family. But there's only one begotten Son. He is the Redeemer. He, he, he died for you to have eternal life. He came to save the world, not to condemn it. He came to save you. He wants you to have life in all its fullness, which you can only have in that relationship with him. He wants you to be a people of hope and a people of love and a people of perseverance and a people of faith. He is the name above all names. He is my redeemer. His name is Jesus because it means the Lord saves. He's, he's so precious to God, yet God gave him for you, which is, which is the passionate love of God. He is the Messiah, the Anointed One. He is the one who says, one day, if you accept him, you will stand in glory. You'll serve your king forever. But in the meantime, he fills you with his spirit to continue the work that's to be done in this broken and fallen and corrupt world when Satan 
led Adam and Eve into the, what we call the fall. It was the fall of humankind. And, and in, in many ways, society, not in every way, but in many ways, it's rotten. There's murders, there's rapes, there's child abuse, there's wrongdoings. People have wronged you. And yet, God sent his son for them as well. And they don't know it. They don't even know they need saving. So in the meantime, we serve our king because you're filled with his spirit. You serve him on this earth until that time comes. You've forgotten, didn't you? This is the hallelujah moment. I'm going to say it again now because you've really disappointed me. And Ian Moore will love that. You're filled with his spirit to continue his work on this earth until that time comes. Praise the Lord. There you go. So that's me done. I'm going to pray for you because go home and read this passage. Look at the promises God gives you. He's going to fill you with all wisdom. He's going to fill you with revelation. He fills you with his spirit. He enables you to cope with all the things that life throws at you. Your eternal destiny is assured. He is your redeemer. But you must have faith. You must recognise that you're then sent out. You take the benefits but then you're sent out as an ambassador for Christ. And with that comes great responsibility. And he promises not to leave you alone. And so we thank God that Jesus is our Redeemer. Lord, we thank you for those words. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord, that in a world that increasingly turns away from it, we can come back to it again and again. And I pray you'll make these words alive and real in our hearts by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray as we, as we take the communion, the bread and the wine, Lord, that we'd be nourished spiritually by you and that you'd send us out into the world full of power and equip, equip us, Lord, and, and help us to realise that 12 people changed the world because they did it in your name. And, and that a third of the world are Christians now. And and when we think there's no hope or life throws things at us, we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. I pray, Lord, for your spirit to fall on us, to fill us afresh, and send us into the world as your witnesses and your ambassadors. In Jesus' name, amen.